What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Dew Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome into another episode of Kentucky Daily, a daily podcast covering your University of Kentucky Wildcats. I'm Sean Smith. He's Derek Terry. Derek, I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Did, Sean. Same to you. That was uh, always a special time, of course, this time of year. And uh, as I scroll through my Twitter feed as we start this, Sean, after some doubt, perhaps, there will be a football game on Saturday. Mark said on Mark Stoop said on Wednesday they were very close at threshold, but it appears they they've met the minimum that they needed and they will try to pull a shocker <laughs> on Saturday. They will. The, yeah, I'm seeing the same thing you're seeing. So they they boarded the plane earlier for Florida. Uh it's been a wild couple of days since uh, we recorded post game the other night. We've had some upsets in college basketball. We've had a college basketball player throw up on another college basketball player, which throw up. Led, yeah, which led to one of the funniest reactions I've ever seen in my life. Like it was the NC State Charleston Southern game today. Jeez. You can see the Charleston Southern player getting sick. Oh, and he's like God. holding his hand up, calling somebody to come get him. Well then he goes to like defend a ball screen and just throws up <laughs> all over the dude's shoulder. And then the guy Poor that kid. got the we'll guy that him. got threw up on like the guy that got threw up on, he turns around and runs to the basket and then sees it and you can hear him in the camera go, Oh, hell no. <laughs> and it's it's the funniest it's on my Twitter feed. I recommend I'll to watch look it. Because uh, I was like, Well, that's a funny story to start the podcast with. But Do you think these guys are in the shape that they need to be in right now to be <laughs> play I mean, I remember playing and again, I never played at the level of uh of college basketball, but I do think there's very – these guys conditioned way more than I ever did in high school, but I do think there's something to being in you know, game shape. Yeah. Mind of that? No. Well, I think it's well, – all these programs at some point, it seems like, have gone on pause for something. Well, I, mean, I think they, Mayheim was complaining about it, that his guys weren't in shape. Today. Well, I mean – I think they lost. Well, the thing is, is like – and we talked about this in the summer. Uh, Kentucky had an advantage. They got to campus a lot sooner than a lot of the teams did. Yeah. Uh, the Kentucky got there late June. Some programs didn't get there till August. Were these guys taking care of their bodies during the summer? I mean, they were high school kids. I mean, you have to think. And even these college kids, look, I mean, all you have to do is look at me and see that I did not take care of myself during quarantine. <laughs> so I can't imagine what some of these other guys did. So, yeah, I think that uh, definitely has something to do with it. But it's one of the funniest videos, Derek. I, I couldn't help but laugh. Just the, the NC State players' reaction is the best part of the video. Uh, but Virginia upset today by San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco lost to, was it, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody, I think it was yesterday or the day before, they lost to somebody that wasn't very good. So it just goes to show you, you know, college basketball right now, everything that we talked about a couple of weeks ago, and I told you, I said, I think that this could, you know, there could be a lot more upsets early on just because it's just such a weird year and everything. So you, you're, you're watching the video right now, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you see, he's like, he's like yeah. oh, heck. Yeah. Like, he was all upset. I was like, that there's no not... way I would keep that jersey on. No way. No, you're not, give me I, any uh, other number. I, I saw the the score on the bottom line. I didn't get to watch. I know it was on TV, but I didn't get to watch Virginia and San Francisco. But that does seem like a pretty stunning upset. So, a West Coast Conference team beating Virginia. Uh it's not gonna be the last one that you see. Did you get a chance to watch any Gonzaga yesterday? I did. Well, and today I only played today too, but I watched a little yeah. bit of that game yesterday with Kansas, and they, uh, man, that's a good team. It is a good team, and Jeff Goodman really confused me though. I don't know if you followed along with his tweets yesterday or not. He was talking about that game, and this is something. The only reason I'm bringing this up is because Kentucky plays Kansas here in a few days. Mm-hmm. But he was talking about Kansas not having the talent that they typically have, which they don't. They've not been getting the top 20, top 15 guys. I think they only have one top 40 guy since 2018. But 
they're number six in the country, Derek, and he was kind of saying that this isn't a really good Kansas team, but yet he was saying that this is a out-of-this-world Gonzaga team, and I couldn't – I wasn't getting it because I thought that game was actually competitive for the most part what? and was come down to, the you know, the final minutes of the game, and Gonzaga was able to hold on. So I, I couldn't understand what he was getting at when it came to – you're praising Gonzaga, saying I don't. I think it was something like there. He hasn't really seen a team put together like that with pieces since in the last ten years. That's one of the best teams he's seen as far as how they, I guess, complement one another. And then he kind of discredited Kansas, which I thought was actually discrediting what he just said, contradicting what he said about Gonzaga. I agree with him on the Kansas thing. Whenever I did that preview for uh, our yearbook for the Cats Paws, which is in stores now, if if anybody wants to come buy it. You can go to catspaws.com to find a list of uh, where they all are. But after that shameless plug, um, I was just kind of taking there, – there were, like, I mean, it is a roster that is much different than what you would typically expect from a Kansas roster. Um, some of the names that they were relying on this year, I don't really remember hearing a whole lot about. So, Gonzaga, on the other hand, I mean, the Suggs kid is very good. Drew Timmy, very good. Nimhard is out there now from Florida. That, that's uh, a big addition good. for them, too. Yeah. Like, I think that that takes them from good to really good. Like, it, honestly, Derek, I do think that they're the best team collectively with pieces right now. Uh, they have a very good head coach and Mark Few. Do you know I, how much Mark Few makes? Is it, he's been there 22 well, years now, and has had plenty of chances to leave had he wanted to. And he's just stayed. Well, $1.3 million a year. That's a lot of stats from three years ago. That might not be what he makes now. And what do, you think too, what do you think about this? I saw somebody making the argument this morning that, is Gonzaga a blue blood? I don't think that you can consider them a blue blood. I mean, to me, you have to have multiple titles to be a blue blood. Like, well, that's just I, the way I look at it. I got people got on to me on, well, one person got on to me on Twitter once because I included Clemson football, which is one of the best powerhouses of our lifetime for sure, as a blue blood. And they're like, they're not a blue blood school. Like, that same person would probably include Michigan as like a blue blood school because they used to be good. So, I guess it depends on the watch. Thing. Like they're a very good program, but and they made one national championship game. But having not won one, I would have a harder time putting them up there. But they're certainly one of the best programs in the country. I mean, well, year in and year out, they're very good. Well, clearly, I think that the blue blood title, I think it can change hands. I think that you can develop into yeah. a blue blood, and I think you can go the other direction, like Indiana basketball. I don't consider that a blue blood program right now, oh. or UCLA. Uh, but Kentucky, Carolina, Duke, I think, you know, even Kansas. I mean, you you still have to be – you have to win titles. You have to be in the conversation for a title. And Clemson football over the last 10 to 12 years, Derek, that would be a blue blood college football program if you're talking about right now. Yeah. I think that Florida probably moved out of that for the last 12 years until they get back to, you know, a college football playoff or a national championship picture. I think that's something that can change hands. Well, uh, you but, know the basketball. Like, where would you – would you include them as a – Two titles in three years, I mean, or they're, four years. They're honestly, when I think of top programs in college basketball, I think of them more now than I do UCLA. Oh, yeah. Just because they, they've won two titles. Uh, they, they did exactly what everybody kept saying Jay Wright couldn't do. You know, Jay Wright used to lose early in the tournament. Now he's winning national championships, and they look to have another good team this year. I watched them some last night versus Arizona State. That's another good Villanova team. Uh I think if we can play this college football or college basketball season, Derek, I think that there's going to be some exciting teams to watch if we can just get through it. And I think the NCAA tournament could be a lot of fun, especially not having one last year. I think that this could be the most anticipated one. Uh, That's why I'm hoping that we can get to this point. And I think uh, we have a Kentucky team that's going to be a very good one too whenever they get to, to that point. But it's Mailbag Friday, Derek. I know we're going to dive into a lot of football and a lot of basketball in this. Uh, thanks for sending in questions. I know it was kind of different with the holiday. I tried to get it up there last night. Derek, I think you got one on your end, don't you? Yeah, I do. You, you want to start with, with yours? Yeah, let's start with it. This comes from Trey Gross, a regular contributor to our Mailbag Friday. And he asks, uh, and if this is a relevant question given the news this week, but will J.J. Weaver be our next great pass rusher is the question. And, of course, J.J. this week, for the first time in his career, was listed as a starting Jack linebacker right there at outside. Sean, I don't know if you saw his comments or not. Did you see what he said about Kyle Pitts? I did not. I wasn't on there the other day. 
Answer that question. Uh, if J.J. Weaver will be our next, uh, as Trey says, will be our next straight pass rusher. Answer that, what you think, and let me pull up this quote while you're doing that. Well, I think he is. I do. I think that he is the next great pass rusher at Kentucky. I think that starting next year big time, I think that you'll see J.J. Weaver take a more prominent role and kind of be that impact player that they're talking about every single time, Derek, when Kentucky takes the field uh, for a matchup. I think he'll be one of the key guys that, that we're talking about on TV, we're talking about on radio, we're talking about on this podcast. Uh, he has all the tools, his length, everything, his speed, quickness, his power. Uh, in-state kid that I think, uh, you know, honestly could have played more last year, but I think he's made some really nice plays this year, and I think he's kind of uh, moved to the forefront. Is that de- And that's a defense, Derek, that's going to need some names to kind of, you know, take charge. And I think that he's one that could be the, taking the step from that recruiting class a couple of years ago that's ready to take over and be a leader on that defense next year. I agree with you. Um, I think he's a future NFL player. Uh, he fits the I, mold. Yeah, I, I just think he's got a very bright future. So I don't know how much uh, UK fans have paid attention to Florida this year. Obviously, they're one of the best teams in the country. But Kyle Pitts, their All-American tight end, has been out for a few weeks um, with an injury, but he is back for the Kentucky game just in time to play UK. Of course. And Weaver, uh, I I don't know how it was brought up. I'm reading the Courier-Journal story. Uh, I saw it tweeted by Florida Rider, which is why they brought it to my attention because it's like you, we were at the basketball game Wednesday, so I didn't get on the football call. But here's this quote. Kyle Pitts is most definitely going to see me this week. Weaver said of Florida's All-American tight end. We just got to be more physical than him. That's it. He is a great player. He's going to get up and jump, but he's never had J.J. Weaver on him before. <laughs> I'm not so sure this is a good idea. No. If you guys have watched Florida, like Kyle Pitts is a surefire first-round pick. Uh, I don't care if the signs superb. Like I think he's maybe the best college tight end of what I mean, certainly in the last very long while. I mean, the kid is a tremendous player. Kyle Pitts is. I'm not so sure, Jade. Especially, and let's let's just look at it this way: Kentucky's defense just gave up 63 points last week, and he wasn't the only one. Kelvin Joseph was like kind of on the same thing. He said, "I thought the biggest challenge of Florida is going to be facing me, me and my teammates." Well, my man, you all just gave up 56 last week. Uh, they threw a pick six, so 56 points. And this is like the sixth best offense in the country they're going up against. I don't know that Stoops and those guys are going to love those comments. I guess Kentucky can go behind the fact that they're not going to have a full roster again tomorrow. I thought those were some, some out there comments for a team that uh, I mean they're not lacking confidence I guess I mean then again you'll get you'll get the people who will say well, what do you expect from them and you think they should go on there with an attitude like they're gonna get killed but no I don't think that but at the same time you don't have to be totally uh, brash and uh, you, you gotta know you gotta yeah. know the setting and the timing and coming off of just absolutely getting your brains beaten in. It's probably not the best time to bark. J.J. Well, Weaver's calling a shot right here. He's, he's saying well, and, uh, he's in a body, uh, Kyle Pitts. So we'll see. Pitts is a great player. Going to be playing in the NFL next season. I hope they're for a long time, but he would somehow end up on the Bengals. The Bengals certainly need an offensive lineman, though, and at this point they're going to be drafting at a spot high enough to where Pitts probably won't ever end up with them. But, you know, uh, no, that you was, know the uh, good news, though, about that comment? What? He gets a chance to back it up. He does like, get a chance to prove it. He so might learn pretty quick. To, uh, it could go either way. I mean, if he does this and he actually does do what he says he's going to do, then maybe you'll, this will be a regular thing for J.J. Weaver. When he so talks. I'm assuming that's a guy that we're circling tomorrow to watch, huh, is to see exactly what. I would say Kyle Pitts certainly has. If that comment got around to him, <laughs> given social media, I don't guarantee it has. So the dude's going to be rested up. He's not played in a while. So. That's true. So we'll uh, we'll be definitely be, be paying attention to that. But I do think, back to the mailbag question, Derek, I do think that J.J. Weaver is – one of those guys that you look at that's just a physical specimen. I mean, when you look yeah. at him and you, you see him in person, you turn on the tape, he stands out. He's still young. He has a lot of development left, uh, not only in his game but in his body as well. And I think that that's going to be a guy that you kind of just see just develop and just complete, just completely just take over that side of the defense and kind of you know be a guy that every single team that has Kentucky on the schedule, you, you're going to be preparing to face J.J. Weaver. I mean, I'm not going to come out and say it's like preparing to face Josh Allen, but uh, I think he could be a very dominant pass rusher in the SEC. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I think it was time for – and Jordan Wright I've actually been a pretty big fan of as well, but Stoops mentioned on Monday when he was asked about that position that I guess Jordan is dealing with some injury issues right now, so he's not really been at 100%. But I think those are two guys – I think you'll see them slide uh, 
Jordan Ride over to strong side backer, the position that Boogie Watson plays next season, and that'll keep uh, that'll keep J, uh, yeah JJ Weaver over at Jack and Seminelli will probably fit in there somewhere, and then uh, they'll need a few guys to Katie McDaniel still in the mix there, so we'll be. Well, it'll be interesting to see if there's a spring practice. That'll be something. I think there will be. That'll be something that I'll be watching for sure, that position group. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to another mailbag question. Let's keep it on the football topic. Derek, this is uh, this is really cool. This question came in Monday. Is before we ever even put up you know, <laughs> that we're doing mailbag questions and everything. So I think that this has been an episode and a weekly feature on this podcast that I think people enjoy. Uh, so he said, this is for when you do mailbag questions. If we have C-Rod, so Chris Rodriguez against Bama, and score on two of the three drives on Bama's side of the field, does the game go different? It felt like after getting to Bama's 25 three drives in a row and only getting three points, the team kind of gave up. Derek, I don't think that the outcome would have changed. I mean, how can you when it's 63-3? to But if you punch in a couple of those drives there and get points – you at least put pressure on the Alabama sideline. And I think then, I think that Kentucky might have hung around and it might have been a competitive game late in the third quarter going to the fourth quarter. I think it could have stayed within two scores had that happened. Yeah, that would have been interesting. I mean, I certainly think had Rodriguez been there, I mean, there's no, they wouldn't have lost by 60. Um, hard for me to say. I just feel like that Alabama offense, it's – it was only a matter of time probably before they started going. But at the same time, the mental psyche of this defense is uh, – it's been a hard year for those guys too because, I mean, they've had some bad showings, but at the same time they've had some very good showings. But you know, no matter what they say publicly, you have to know in those kids' minds on the defense that once you get down by a couple scores the way that this offense has been this year, you probably feel like the game's over at that point. And that's just that's just how it is this year. Um so along those lines, though, like you're saying, or the question was if they score those and maybe it's 14 to 14 or something like that, yeah, maybe there's a little bit more confidence. I still think it was going to be a tough battle to stay in it. I, I think I picked 45 to 7 as a final. So I had a 38-point game. If they could have taken advantage on some of those, maybe it wouldn't have gotten quite that high, but I, I still think it would have been at least two or three touchdowns by the end. Um and I guess, do we know? I mean, I think Stoops hinted at maybe one guy had a false positive. I don't think that ever got cleared up, though. There was no. some hope that it was Rodriguez. But going by the depth chart, My though, guess is that's Jamin. That's what I was going to say. If you go by the depth chart and you try to put the clues together, Jamin was, like, the only guy in that group. Uh, maybe Taj Dotson was on there. I can't remember. But he was, like, the only guy in that group who got added back to the depth chart. Yeah. So if it's Jamin, it'll help for sure. But not having, I mean, you, you, that offense needs a, a guy like Rodriguez that can, you can rely on him to grind it out, get some really good runs for you, and sustain drives. Yeah, and now that I'm looking at it, every single question is football today. Is that that's so surprising? That's very surprising considering that the season just started with basketball. So let's go ahead and get to the to the next one, and I, I'm going to keep these because some of them have to do with the decommitment that happened yesterday. Uh, this oh. comes from from UK Shane. What is the chances Eddie? Well, it's Eddie Graham, but I think he meant Eddie Grand. Uh, I think right now some Kentucky fans would take Eddie Graham as their uh, offensive coordinator if it could change the offense. But what are the chances Eddie Graham will be let go at the end of the season if there are more recruits that decommit? Derek, I'm actually starting to think that even if there aren't decommitments, I'm getting the sense that this might be it for Eddie like even if it's not Kentucky's terms or even if he just wants to leave on his own it, it kind of feels like that we're just kind of de- delaying the inevitable honestly I don't know how you feel but I've changed my thought process on it the last couple of days he I mean he had that weird comment the other day where he went on kind of a long tangent about something and like in the middle of that he threw in people make decisions and like him saying that really had no context to anything else that he said so I thought that was kind of an odd comment I don't know. Like, I I just can't say at this point. Let's see. Let's see what happens the next two weeks. And I know you can't. No matter what happens, actually, these next two weeks, you can't really. You've still got to take the season in total. Well, that's and the thing. That way. Exactly. Like, let's say that they go out. To, let's say for some reason that they do go out there tomorrow and they beat Florida. Does Does that change anything? 
I mean, I yeah. don't think it does. Like, I mean, I sure, do. it. Well, it changes the the overall perception of you know you beat Florida and Tennessee in the same season, but I still think that you could limp right into next season with an offense that can't move the ball. Like, I just. I don't know. Like I've just, I've changed my thoughts on it for the last couple of days. Ever since the comment that you mentioned the other night when you texted that to me, yeah. I've just been trying to to look at it, and I don't know. Like I just think that is it beyond repairable. I don't, I don't know. Like you're losing commitments now, uh, which leads us into more mailbag questions. That's pretty much the bulk of it. Uh, ben Ray asks: Since the announcement of our first wide receiver decommit. Are we worried about the wide receiver commits following? I don't. I think you have to be, Derek, and that's. I think that's the importance of the next two games is you got to show something to kind of keep these guys on board. Because uh, when you get to signing day, you need to lock in the other guys that you have at that position. You know, the Christian Lewis especially. Yeah, I don't follow Armand Scott. I haven't. I, I just remember that uh, he had the whole thing earlier this year where he what, so he's like 100% open or something, and then tried to say he got hacked. So, I mean, clearly he didn't get hacked, but whatever. Um, so, because of that, though, with the context you already had of that kid, I can't say I'm that surprised because it seemed like it has been on his mind. Um, I do think – I think in a more normal recruiting year, you would definitely be scared to death right now about losing these guys. But I just think not having visits or anything like that, I mean, we're so close to signing day now. It's, I think, two weeks from this Wednesday – yeah. So this coming Wednesday, I mean, with no one, no one's going to be changing. I, they can still change their mind. I'm just saying you have to do it based on what you're hearing on Zoom and phone calls. Like you won't be able to go visit anywhere. So I think they still have a pretty good chance. Like Crowdis, I'm not that worried about at all. Lewis, I'm going to, you know, I think you have to be worried about him all the way up until you, you get that signature. You just because to. I think he's that important to this class. And he's, we know publicly, Ole Miss and uh, I believe Texas A&M is the other school that's really on him, but most notably Ole Miss to this point. And then Chauncey Magwood. I've really not heard anything about Chauncey since he committed <laughs> to Kentucky. <laughs> Excuse me, to Kentucky. But uh, he's also played quarterback, though, this year in well, high school. So I don't know how much film he really had to put out there for other schools to take. But, yeah, I mean, I, he, anytime you have an offense that's literally the worst power five passing offense in the country, naturally, you have to be worried about it. So going back, and what I wanted to mention before I moved to Lewis and, and uh, Scott, I mean, like, what I think Eddie has to do, and maybe he doesn't have to do this, maybe they've already determined it, I think, it, and it's putting some blame on the players, but I think what he has to sell is that this was just going to be an, an, an anomaly because they're going to get some different players in here next year, and because of that, they'll have, they'll be in better shape to pass. I think probably the play this year is they just didn't have the personnel to throw the ball he wanted to. Now, I think that blame can come back to Eddie, and I think he has to answer for that, certainly. But I don't know. That's what I'm saying. I just don't know, Sean. I just think when I look at Grant's contract, I mean, the guy is making over $900,000 a year. He's not going to be in a spot, I wouldn't think, where anyone else is going to be able to match that kind of salary. I just don't think he has much incentive to leave if it's going to be on his own. So it's going to come down to uh, Mark Stoops getting rid of him, and I just I just don't know if that's going to happen either. Outside looking in, you could say it's pretty obvious that a change needs to be made, but at the same time, I mean, those two guys have known each other a long time, and uh, I think Mark's definitely comfortable with Eddie. So if it's Mark's decision, I'm just going to say I'll be surprised if he was like, uh, I think he'd be back next year. I'm not saying that that doesn't mean that there won't be some kind of offensive shakeup. I just don't think it'll be Eddie if it's up to Mark. It's, it's definitely going to be something to follow into – Late December and January, Derek. I mean, I think we're. I think we'll know, should know pretty soon when the season's over, shouldn't we? If they're going to make a change at that spot or not. Like that's something that I don't think drags out till. It might want to wait until after signing day. I mean, you know how yeah. it is. It's not the best thing to do to the kids, but that's just the business. I don't see any reason they would do it before signing day, especially because they'll play their last game December fifth. Signing day is eleven days after that, so I don't and, think they'll. You won't hear anything. I don't think until after the signing period. And these next two questions kind of go together, so I'm going to read part of them. I'm going to read part of one and then the other one too. So this one comes from back to Final Four. Uh, this is a, this is I'm going to split it into two parts. Okay. He says also, gun to head, finish out UK's recruiting class. Are we going to fill it out with transfers, or are there high school seniors out there? And then he asked how big a loss is Armand Scott. And then we had another one, too, that was with Scott from David Wood. Was Scott decommitting today? Does that open the door to another guy that UK has been looking at or someone that's been recruited before by UK and went somewhere else? Derek, 
since those two questions are kind of hitting on the same thing, I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't know if Kentucky's answers are in the recruiting class right now as far as adding more guys to the program via the high school route. I think, honestly, the best thing that Kentucky could do is go to the transfer market for next year because you need immediate impact wide receivers that have some collegiate experience, in my opinion, to put with Christian Lewis and put with this freshman class that's already on campus. And then, like you said multiple times, the, they got to find a way to convince Josh Ali to come back. I think that he could be a big piece next year. And I'm going to go out on another limb, too. How uh, The best thing that could ever happen in Kentucky would be Wondell Robinson to decide to transfer back to back to Kentucky, huh? What, don't you think that that would be a, a yeah. great fix? So Nebraska lost again today. They're one and four now. Uh, I was told – I didn't get to watch that game. But uh, I was told he had nine catches or something. So I think they're getting the ball a little bit more. Um, I think Kentucky would certainly welcome him back. He's not in the transfer portal, obviously, anything like that. It's preliminary, but uh, I do think they would like for that to happen. As of now, I don't think it'll happen. But yeah, I've been beating that drum for you know a while that uh, they need to go with, try to get some transfer guys. And to the questions about the high school recruits, I'll be totally honest. Most years, I at least have a pretty good idea. I don't really cover recruiting. I mean, I, I kind of pick my spots here and there. It's not really my job to cover recruiting right now. We have someone else who does that. Uh, but from talking to, to him, Josh Edwards, who does this for catsballs.com, I don't know that there's really any obvious targets they have left of this class. So I think if they do add someone from the high school route, I'm not going to say it's going to be a guy who's totally off the wall. I just I don't know who it would be. I don't so that's my answer to the high school part. In terms of the transfers, I will add this too. And like I said, I've been saying they need to add at least two guys to get Ollie back. Knowing that and believing that's that's the goal they should have, Sean, how much of it is a tough sell to convince someone potentially to, maybe to make a move transfer, to Kentucky? To make yeah. a move to an offense that's not going to be really proven. I think that's going to be a hard sell as well. So I don't know if there are any really easy answers. But that is the route I would go. I would, I would definitely try to get the, the three kids you have committed now Make sure you get those guys signed. I think all three will probably play next season. Get Ali to come back and then try to add two transfers, and all of a sudden that room looks a lot different next season. Yeah, and that's that's the key. I think that's the thing that everybody's watching right now, Derek, all the way through the spring and all the way through the next season is what you know. who does Kentucky have to throw the ball to. If you go in with this same set of wide receivers, I don't really know that there's going to be a whole lot of optimism for things to be significantly different next year, but – there's still some guys there that you don't really know about. I mean, I think they're still holding out hope that Bryce Oliver will be really good when he can actually start the year healthy and get some of those reps. I think he just got a late start this year, Derek. I think yeah, it's kind two, of a throwaway year for him. It was, and just the way the season's gone. Uh, I do think that Josh Ali could be a big-time target if he comes back. I think he could be a guy, especially, let's say, Bo Allen's the quarterback. I think that that's got to be appealing to him uh, to come back. And then looking at some of these guys – those younger guys on the roster, you know, Isaiah Cummings, like what happens with those guys? Do they do they emerge with a full year on campus in a, a full spring? What honestly needs to happen and what would be great for Kentucky is if it does happen before next August is for things to sort of get back to a sense of normal, to where they could have a normal summer and everything and, and do workouts and you know what I mean, like have some type of normal system around them. But who knows if that's going to happen. Uh, but I do think that they will add some transfers regardless if it's the guys that they really want, but they're going to have to. I think that's. I think they're already looking, Derek, for names to go into the portal that they might could you know oh, yeah. pull. I mean, they're definitely not just sitting on their hands right now. They're doing. They're, they got to be doing something. That's almost like their best route to get transfers at receiver would either be um, young player, maybe who was a good recruit who went to another school that didn't work out, and they're just looking kind of for a you know, SEC kickback. I don't I don't know who would fit that billing. Someone out there would. Or if you could get a productive, like, Mac player, I'm just using the Mac as an example because I know they've played this year. Mac, Conference USA, something like that. And more so than perhaps getting big numbers is, is someone who maybe he just wants the chance to play in the SEC. Kind of similar to Sawyer Smith type, who Sawyer, I think when Sawyer transferred, he was basically promised to be the backup for that first year. But nothing more than that. But he still found that more appealing than staying at Troy. So maybe if you could find a kid like that who's willing to take that chance just to have more exposure in the SEC, then maybe that's someone you target. Um, Wondell's the one that makes sense just because the Kentucky ties and 
I don't know. We know for sure if he's happy or not. It's been a tough year for Nebraska. I could see that being a situation where it just didn't turn out the way he wanted it to. But think of it this way with Wondell. If that kid puts his name on the transfer portal, every single school is going to want a kid like that in their program with that kind of talent. So if he did decide he wanted to go through the recruiting process again, I still think it might be hard for Kentucky to get him back. It would be. It would be very hard. But, uh, you know, that's something that they certainly are kind of probably hoping that happens. Well, I, I and, there's that, gonna, and there's going to be some good names in the portal. There will be yeah. good college football names at that position in the portal. Like, where, I just think that Kentucky? this will change everything. Yeah, where might help Kentucky, and I just thought about this as I said that, though, is he has that prior relationship, and if he's transferring after the season, he won't be able to take visits anywhere because, you know, the deadline is through, I think, what, next April? So – that's something to keep in mind too, I guess. Is he does have that relationship with Kentucky? He knows all about the program. It, there wouldn't be too many questions, basically. And, and we're not saying that Wandell's going to transfer. We're just going off of you know they're struggling. They're not very yeah. good, Derek. Uh, Kentucky football is in a much better spot, in my opinion, than Nebraska is. I mean, I think you're seeing that now. Like Nebraska is not good. If uh, Wandell just would have come here out of high school, I mean, I think. I mean, I think he would have been used just as much as he has been in Nebraska, if not more. I know Nebraska's done some things to get him involved, but I, I don't know. I mean, the kid had a right to go over. He wanted to go to school uh, for sure. But that experience, I think he, like, jumped on board because kind of the thought at the time was Scott Frost went undefeated at UCF. The guys that Wandell would be coming in with around this time would really be making their impact. But as it turns out, I mean, that team's just pretty bad. So... Maybe the grass will be greener in Lexington now versus when he was out of high school, and who knows? I mean, it's it's still aimed to throw around, and he's – you can go back to my tweets last season, and I was talking about Wondell back then being someone who really could have been helping Kentucky. So when you lose a kid that high profile from your home state, I mean, people talk about Damon Harris his whole career too. That's just how it is. I mean, that's every school, especially a school like Kentucky where the margin. When you do have a chance, when you have a kid like that committed and then you still lose him, like it stings for years to come. So I think that's kind of why he's still always been brought up. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And then here's the other half to the question from back to Final Four. And I want to think I understand what he's asking us to do. It says, game by game, assess UK football team's performance. Disappointing, solid, or promising are the only three choices. So are we talking about going through the eight games that they played and labeling the result as disappointing, promising? I think the overall season has been disappointing. Like if you just clump it all into one big category. I think it's been a disappointing season, but I think Tennessee was solid. I uh, think Tennessee's the only game I would – did you say spectacular? Or I don't know what – Disappointing, I mean. solid, or promising are the only three choices. I think he's talking about the whole season then. I would say disappointing. The only highlight this year, and I shouldn't say – I mean, they've won three games. They have a chance to win four, and if they still got four and six, like – if you want to look at it as a chance he could have had four wins in a normal year, maybe you would have been eight and four and people still would have been happy. But beating Mississippi State this year in Vanderbilt's nothing to write home about. Well, and honestly, maybe beating Tennessee isn't either, but for UK where it happens so few times, like that's certainly the highlight. And that's going to be the highlight unless somehow they beat Florida tomorrow. I mean, even if they beat South Carolina, what they did at Tennessee will be at least what this year is remembered by. In terms and, of and, I'll, and I'll go the other way just in case he's asking – you know, game by game. So the first two games, Derek, I clump under disappointing yeah. because I think we expected them to at least be 1-1, one one, but we thought they had a real shot had they played well to be 2-0. Mm-hmm. Mississippi State win, I think, was promising because it looked like they were getting their, you know, their footing back going the right direction. Tennessee is solid from there till now, disappointing. Even the three-point win against Vanderbilt. So that's the way that I just kind of put all this together and – now we just have to see what, what they close the season with. Like, Can they really pull an upset at Florida tomorrow? If they do, they have a shot to get to 5-5 five and five to close the season, which if they get if they somehow get to 5-5, five and five, that would be the most roller coaster 500 season I've ever experienced in my entire life. But I don't think that they're going to, and we'll get into that on uh, on the next segment now. But do you want to you answer his last half? How big, how big of a loss is Armand Scott? I don't, and I'm not. I'm not a scout. I never claimed to be. I mean, I watch some film just because, and it's not even really to grade it. I just kind of want to see how they look. Uh, and he he actually was somebody who I thought looked better in a senior tape versus a junior tape. And someone else might watch that and determine otherwise. But for my untrained eye, I, I thought he was having a pretty good senior year, from what I could tell. I mean, I think it's a loss. But if you're asking me, 
out of all the guys, like, if they lose Christian Lewis, that's where I'll be like, man, they, they really messed up there. I mean, maybe that kid won't end up being anywhere near as good as I think he's going to be, but I honestly think he's a starter next season. So I think it's really important. And DeKell, like, the thing about Crowdis is you would – maybe you would hope his numbers would be better if they some Kentucky high school competition, but you still want – that's like, he's someone Kentucky doesn't have right now. They don't have just that speed guy who you can just kind of send on a go route and make the – like, he's at least a vertical threat that the defense would have to respect. And yeah. that's why I think you really need him. And I feel good that Crowdis is trying to stay committed. Uh, Lewis, I don't have any reason to think Lewis won't be. I mean, he seems to still be pretty firm. Uh, if they lose one of those two guys, though, that's when he can really kind of panic a little bit. And I don't want to, like, turn this – I've got a thought that we haven't really talked about, and I need to look it up real quick before we go. But the main gist is that the presence in Ohio this year is just, like, way down compared to most years Yeah, for Kentucky. Um, but they while have, you're they have three commitments in Ohio, and the highest rated guy that they have is Jamarius Dinkins, who in the state is the 23rd best player in Ohio. So probably going to be the worst haul they brought in on paper from Ohio. Yeah, it's uh, certainly not the greatest timing, you know, considering that they're in a spot where the offense needs to figure things out, Derek. But uh, we're just going to have to sit back and kind of buckle up and see how this thing plays out. I mean, they're they're certainly going to – the wide receiver is going to be the position to watch. I, I'm even watching it tomorrow and then next Saturday versus South Carolina. You want to see something kind of emerge to kind of hang your hat on going into next year and then the recruiting side and then the transfer market and things. But let's go ahead and let's transition to the schedule for this week in the SEC. Uh, I know next week the schedule's already changed. I think there's some games added to the schedule for next week. Let me go ahead and pull the SEC up. I don't know if you have it pulled up in front of you yet or not. Uh, yeah, didn't isn't like Alabama and LSU supposed to play next week now? They are. So here's the SEC slate this week. So we have six games. So if I'm not mistaken, this will be the first normal week in a while, right? As of right now. Uh, they're, 12 teams playing, yeah. So Isn't there one go, game suspended? Or, uh, I think there would have to be, right? Yeah, 12 teams. So there's two teams not playing. Tennessee is not Tennessee's playing. Tennessee's not on there. Tennessee yeah. was supposed to play. Wasn't Tennessee supposed to play Vanderbilt this week? Or was that last week? Or did yeah, they... Vanderbilt team got flipped. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Vanderbilt Tennessee. was supposed to play Tennessee, but now they're playing Missouri. So let's start with uh, UK, Florida. So UK at number six, Florida. That's a noon Eastern time kickoff. It's a national televised game, Derek. It's on ESPN. Uh, how do you see it playing out? I think Florida 48 to 14. Ooh. Uh, I'll go. I'll go Florida 38, Kentucky 28. I think Kentucky puts up a fight, but they don't have enough. 28 points, huh? Yep, 38 Maybe 28. I'm going a little low. I mean, Florida's defense is not that great, but I just, I mean, this offense has been atrocious. So I don't really see any reason to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know what I mean? I'll just pick them to score 14. So, I mean, Florida is not the same kind of defense as Georgia or Alabama, but they've scored a combined six points against the two best teams they played on their schedule, talent-wise. And Florida's probably the third best team they'll play this year. So maybe they'll surprise me. I mean, like you said, like we talked about earlier, I mean, they put themselves at least last week in position to score some points. So maybe they'll be closer to your score than mine. And the second game, very interesting storyline here. Vanderbilt at Missouri. That's also a noon Eastern time kickoff. Oh, Vandy, I want to take it, Vandy. I want to do it. <laughs> Vandy, Sarah Fuller. Uh Female, yes, yes. it's going to be kicking. It's going to be awesome. the first time a woman has ever competed in a Power 5 football game, Derek. So, honestly, I'm going to be flipping back and forth. I want to watch yeah. Kentucky, but I also want to flip over because I want to see her be successful. Like, I think that's a really cool storyline. 2020 has sucked in a lot of ways, but uh, Sarah Fuller getting the chance. And then also, uh, I forget the woman's name, but the Miami Marlins hired a woman GM for the first time ever. So, some glass ceilings being uh, shattered in this year. I kind of want to do it, Sean. I've been all year. I was saying Vanderbilt's going to go winless, but part of me, like they, they've not played that bad. I mean, I know they're still losing games, but like, well, I think they can win this game. I really do. Well, maybe we should both pick it because I've actually thinking I was going to pick Vandy too. So maybe we should uh, let's do it. Let's, let's do just it, jump man. on no. it. Vandy, Vandy beats Missouri and just throws everything out there. But they're not getting the uh, past the one and a half unless I, they beat Tennessee yeah. to end the season. 
I don't think we have any Missouri fans. I would be stunned if we do who listen to this, but they would probably hate me because I'm I have like no respect at all for that program. <laughs> I know they beat Kentucky this year, but I just have no. I hate that place. Uh, I have no respect for the program. I think it's a program that goes. I think it's a program that goes back next year to kind of the bottom of the SEC East. I think they benefited from some some teams like yeah. Kentucky and others struggling this season. They're probably. I mean, they're going to finish with a. Definitely, they're, they're going to finish. Unless they lose to Vanderbilt, but on paper, you could definitely see them going at least 500. So they would end up with a better season. Might actually be the team you see picked ahead of Kentucky as well. I'd say they will be picked ahead of Kentucky next year in the preseason. Uh, but I'm going to stick with saying Vanderbilt's going to beat Missouri. I think they've been they've been kind of. I mean, they played Kentucky tough and they played Florida tough there for a little bit. So I'll give them the nod in this game. And then, uh, Sean, this is what's really weird. We go to the 3:30 game on CBS. It's Alabama and Auburn one of the best college football rivalries. But what I hate, and I'm sure what everybody hates, is like they're, they, those two teams still play two games after this. And that just does not feel right. It, it doesn't. And Nick Saban has COVID. Yeah. So I'm assuming that this won't be something where he works his way back to the sideline because uh, he actually had symptoms yeah, the other day when out. they reported it. But the last time I checked, Derek, Alabama's football team doesn't have COVID. So I'm going Alabama big in this one. I'm going to go Alabama by about 21 or 24. I don't, yeah, that's what I don't think Auburn has a chance. Yeah, Alabama doesn't have Saban, so they're only going to win by about 30 instead of about 40 <laughs> instead. I agree with you. I just think Alabama is just – well, actually, let me take that back. I don't remember the last – I'm sure there has been. I don't have it pulled up. But, like, I'll give Auburn more credit than that. It's it's one of their most important games. I'll say that they show up. Uh, they'll play hard. I mean, this game and, – and Gus Malzahn's beat Saban more than anybody else in the league. Yeah three times so I just don't think they have the horses this year to do it but I'm actually going to take that back a little bit I'm going to give Auburn a little bit more respect and say that it'll be a I think it'll be worth watching that game for a little bit at least I I don't think Alabama still wins though I don't think I can backtrack and give them respect considering all year that I've been like Auburn's not very good so I think that they'll show up but that doesn't mean anything (laughs) it is Uh, moving on to the next one this game actually Someone pissed away Another a chance for me to win some money last year in this game, <laughs> literally. <Yeah>. So Mississippi <laughs> State at Ole Miss, Derek, I, I still haven't forgot about that. I, I think I lost a chance to win $300 because of that last year. This is so, actually the one-year anniversary of that, if you care. It is, and I, I woke up this morning knowing that. And uh, I'm going to go I'm gonna go Ole Miss. I just think that offense has been so hard to stop. I think Mike Leach, they they played a very competitive football game with Georgia last week. But I I think Ole Miss at home, and I think Lane Kiffin, that offense, will be too much. Yeah, I think this will be a really fun game tomorrow. It kind of sucks at the same time as Auburn and Alabama. Not as many people are going to watch this. But I'm going to take Ole Miss as well in a pretty close game. Uh, I think Mississippi State's starting to figure some things out. They've kind of settled in now with that freshman quarterback. Um, I think this will be a good one. But, yeah, I think it's hard to pick against – Ole Miss's offense right now. That's that's a scary unit. And moving on to the next game here, you're not going to believe that I'm actually going to pick this, but it's LSU at number five, Texas A&M. I'm going LSU. And the reason being Texas A&M has got to have some rest, right? They've not played in two weeks, three weeks maybe. I know they, they didn't play last. For South Carolina. They beat South Carolina three, yeah, weeks, three ago. weeks ago. They've not played in two weeks, yeah. So I'm going to go LSU. I don't think LSU is very good, but I just feel like that not playing for three weeks, it has to mess with you. And I, I think that LSU, I think that's the win that they hang their hat on this year. I could see it. I'm not going to go with A&M, though, but I, I can definitely see the logic behind behind your pick. I don't think it's a bad pick. Uh, I'm going to go with A&M, though. I, I don't know. So what's the deal with A&M as we're on this team? Because as long as – I mean, even if Alabama does lose one game, they, they're still going to have the tiebreaker. So is A&M's hope of getting the playoffs to finish 9-1 and one and then just hope that they're they in get the top picked? Four. Is that yeah. the deal? But you would think they would get jumped by Florida, though, Florida well, makes an SEC championship that's game. Well, that's what I was actually going to say is you, you have to be very impressive in these games coming up. You, you know yeah. they're going to have to – they still have to play Tennessee. That game's in Knoxville. I'm assuming that – is that game next week or do they move it to the 12th? I don't remember when they rescheduled that game. I mean, there's going to be some interesting matchups. Like, there's going to be some interesting games there the week before the SEC championship that are going to have college football playoff implications when you look at this. Because, I mean, there's Texas A&M. Like, I'm sitting here looking at this, and it's almost like I didn't know that they're number five because we haven't watched them in three weeks. We haven't talked about them in three weeks. But that was the team that we brought up in October that just had kind of, I wouldn't want to say a cakewalk, but their schedule definitely wasn't difficult. 
going down the stretch after the Florida game. And they do uh, have the head-to-head on Florida. I mean, they beat them. So. They do. So that has to – do you think – does that outweigh – like let's say Alabama <laughs> runs the table, plays Florida in the SEC title game, and loses to Florida in a close game. Does Alabama get left out of the college football playoff and A&M slide in, or does Alabama mm-hmm. – because that's, that's a scenario that very well could play out. I think you have to give the team credit that actually makes the game, right? I think so. I think, I if, mean, you're, you I think won, if you, you have Alabama, yeah, if you actually win your side of the division, and then if you do lose the championship game, I still think. And they beat A&M head-to-head. So that's why I would still give Alabama the nod there. Someone like one of these group of five teams, probably Cincinnati, would be the team that's like not going to get picked, and they'll they'll get to be this year's UCF where they're like, oh, we, we deserve to be in there. And BYU's uh, in there too, right? Well, BYU came in very – I don't remember the exact rank, but they did not – they have no shot, basically. They uh, they were pretty low on the rank, and they were behind multiple teams that I think had two losses. So they're not going to get in the playoff this year. And then they chose not to play uh, maybe Washington. It was a Pac-12 yeah. team. They decided not to play that game because they wanted to see where they were in the rankings. <laughs> so that would have been a chance to pick up a, a quality win because I think their best win right now is Boise State, which is not – Boise State's still a good program, but that win doesn't mean as much as maybe what it would have 10 years ago or something like that. So I don't think BYU has as much of a chance. But the last game of the week, this will be on SEC Network at 7.30. It is number nine Georgia going to South Carolina. And, of course, South Carolina's interim head coach right now, Mike Bobo, uh, I think he might have played at Georgia, but he's definitely definitely coached at Georgia for a long time, and he recruits the state very well. So I'm sure this game will mean a lot to him. Uh, JT Daniels last week, Sean, 400 yards passing in a game was the first time since Aaron Murray. So he went out there through <laughs> four touchdowns, ma- making everybody – which he wasn't healthy. He had been hurt still recovering, but kind of made everybody wonder why he wasn't in there sooner. So I'll go with Georgia by – I know they barely beat Mississippi State last week, but I'm going to take Georgia at least by two touchdowns. Yeah, you're, you're in a situation with South Carolina where you're, you, know, you don't have a head coach. He's gone. You had guys opting out for the rest of the season. That, that's kind of a game next week if Kentucky loses. You're kind of really scratching your head and wondering exactly what's going on. I, I'll go Georgia. I think Georgia wins it two to three scores. I don't think it'll be very close. So you want to talk about basketball on after the post game tomorrow? Preview Richmond. Let's do that tomorrow. It's, it's, if things don't go so well, maybe people want to listen to that preview anyway. For uh, that's true because. We'll yeah, and then right now I'm sitting here following a game, Derek, number two Notre Dame at North Carolina, number 19 North Carolina. It's 24-17 to in the third. Yeah, I can. Yeah, so that's game. definitely that's a game that everybody's watching too. I mean, that's a game that if Notre Dame loses, probably cost them. Uh, I mean, that's a big game. Like The Friday after Thanksgiving is always really good college football. Like I always – this man. Normal like, I love – the best week. Yeah, I, I love it. Like, but we haven't got to see the normal. Like, we've got to see some good basketball matchups. Right before, right as we started recording, did you see that Syracuse almost got upset? They barely survived by one point. Over who? Uh, let me see if I can I, find it. It was. Uh, let me see if I can find the tweet. I can't remember who. Oh, Syracuse survives eighty-five, eighty-four against Bryant at the yeah, Carrier okay. Dome. I think I said earlier in this thing that they lost. So I just saw a tweet wrong because the tweet was like. I don't care what Bayham says. Syracuse should never lose to Bryant ever in basketball. So I took it to mean that they lost. But apparently they still won. But I do think Bayham was talking about the conditioning. So if someone didn't make it to the end of this podcast, they're going to think that I uh, spouted the wrong information. That's my apologies. Hopefully everybody made it to the end and they heard me correct the Syracuse game. So as Derek was saying, we we will use, we would typically preview Kentucky's basketball game now, but we're going to wait until the football recap and everything with that, Derek, and that, that's fine with me. I think that makes sense. That way we don't put this one, you know, going too long. Uh, it's kind of a weird setup. John Calipari and players aren't even previewing the Richmond-Kentucky yeah. game, given the schedule, the holiday, and everything. And today was supposed to be Kentucky-Detroit at Rupp Arena, but Richmond and Moorhead State will actually tip off in a few minutes at Rupp Arena. I think. But that's what I was actually about to see, because I would, uh, I would encourage Kentucky minutes. fans to turn on the TV and watch Richmond and uh, kind of get a feel, because I think that's going to be a very competitive game. I will say this. I think that that is a game where Kentucky will get tested. If they mm-hmm. don't get tested in that game, Derek, like let's say Kentucky just comes out and steamrolls Richmond, a team that I think uh, has all the makings of an NCAA tournament team, 
Uh, could mean Kentucky's a little bit further along than what we all thought they were going to be. I, I do think Kentucky's one of the better teams in the country given their weapons and the, the pieces they have. And I'm actually looking forward to that game at Kansas because I'm going to go ahead and predict that B.J. Boston has a huge night against Kansas. Like I, From watching Kansas play yesterday, I think that's a guy that they can't match up with. Yeah, uh, Kansas seemed like they could shoot the ball pretty well. Uh, yeah. I, at least I didn't watch the whole game. I watched most of the first half, but when they were in there, they were shooting it decently. Um, yeah, I probably need to watch a little bit of that Richmond game at some point, but I'm probably going to. It's probably available. On, you can probably get it on Watch ESPN and everything, too. They've got pretty much every game on there. So unless it's on, like, CBS Sports Network or something that I don't have, that's the only way I won't be able to watch it. But I think you can get be those, too, can't you? I mean, do what? I think you can get those on, like, CBS.com, can't you? Uh, yeah, you probably can. I just never think to look for that. And where I work with 24-7 through CBS, I think I should have been able to. Some way you can get all that stuff, but I've just never been able to figure it out. So We'll see. Sean, don't you you have an announcement for, you know, you might be able to. Yeah, once I I figure out if I'm choking or not, I don't have anything (laughs) in my mouth. I was like, God, I hope you keep talking. I like swallowed my spit wrong or something. (laughs) I thought I was going to die right here on the podcast. No, but, uh. I'm getting choked up here having to talk about the Butcher's Pub. Uh, the Butcher's Pub, that means I don't get a buffalo chicken sandwich for two weeks, Derek, because they're they're closing for two weeks to get ready for reopening uh, when the governor, if he, if he lifts the in-person dining guidelines and restrictions and everything there. So they're out till I think, December 12th or 13th, but we're going to continue plugging the pub on the show. Uh, just want to send a thank, out to, thank you to Josh Howard for supporting Kentucky Daily. He's been with us since September. Derek, he's going to stay on board with us. I told him that we'll get through this. We'll always, you know, that's that's the title sponsor of Kentucky Daily, and as soon as that buffalo chicken sandwich is available again, I'm going to go. I did settle for uh, the Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich today, though, which which was very good, but my heart belongs to that buffalo chicken sandwich. Yeah, that, uh, you're not joking about that Popeye's spicy chicken sandwich. That thing is uh, <laughs> fire. Oh. Well, that's probably not the best thing to do right after an advertisement there, is it? But you got that. Yeah. <laughs> I've had both. Butcher's Pub is very good as well. It is. I would eat both. I recommend both. Maybe Popeye's will sponsor us too. Maybe I'll roll up to their drive-thru window and be like, hey, I just gave you a really good pub on a really good UK podcast, so join us. But no, for real, uh, the Butcher's Pub is out for a couple of weeks. I'm going to continue plugging it. Uh, you can visit the butcherspub.com or you can follow them on Facebook to receive updates about the reopening. And as soon as we have that information, I'll get it out there to you. He's Derek Terry. I'm Sean Smith. We'll catch you next time on Kentucky Daily. Mm-hmm.